I had an eye infection that <clears throat> kind of pushed me around this <clears throat> past couple weeks. Um, and I've, I've kind of taken this stand that if I get afflicted with something, um, I'm going to push back. And so if you have eye issues or if uh, you know somebody you've been praying for, will you stand to your feet right now? And we're going to take a stand against the affliction of eye issues, okay? Because it does not belong to the kingdom of God. Um, and there's a, a scripture this morning that the Lord's put on my heart that says, I will draw from the wells of salvation. Um, I will I, and I just, let's just see um, like a, a straw with a glass of living water. And let's just take a great big draw from that water right now. Lord, we just, um, we just, there's very little strength sometimes that we have. But we use that strength right now to focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we take a dr great big drink of you. It's your power. It's your glory. It's your healing power that we need for ourselves and for those around us. And so we draw from the wells of salvation right now. Jesus paid for this with his blood. And we, we cast off unbelief in the name of Jesus. Anything that's hardened our our, our hearts in any way where we've become cynical or, or we've, we've just been trying to endure. Well, we just shake that off right now and we just speak the word of God to us. We drink the living word of God. We take a great big draw from the, from the wells of salvation. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. We speak eyesight to every single person that needs it as well as ourselves. In Jesus' name, we're believing that uh, what Jesus paid for on the cross is ours. And as intercessors, we're standing on the wall and we're, we're calling in those miracles. In the name of Jesus, we speak sight and light to the, to the people of God and to those that don't know you. Lord, I believe this is a prophetic picture that, that we have darkness. We live in a place where there's darkness and we carry the light. And so that's one of the reasons why we know that God wants to give us sight. And so we speak light in Jesus' name. Light on your word. That, that, in fact, I just believe the Lord's saying that when you draw from him and, and you refuse to just... Um, be passive, that you're going to start to see him moving, that that that, that hardness is going to be uh, taken out of the way. In Jesus' name, we declare sight. Amen. 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 Um, Ramesh and I were away um, this past week, and uh, we were on a ship um, that Ramesh used to uh, work with, Operation Mobilization. How many have heard of it? Yeah, what an amazing time we had. Um, it's just complete, the ship is completely run by volunteers, and they are the, the next generation. They are young adults, and Ramesh will say more about that. But um, my goodness, the way that they've laid down their lives for the Lord and, and, to, and to reach the gospel. So they lay it down before God, before each other, and, and before every nation that they go to. And um, we were invited to 
um, to speak with them. We were invited to, or we would, we would sit down at the tables and the kids would come to us. And it was just an amazing thing to, to experience the hunger that the, and the passion that they have to share Christ. And um, so we've been reminded uh, that, we, um, that we're all laborers together. And so we're leaning in for this next generation and, and linking hearts. And I'm reminded that our prayers are doing amazing things. So keep on praying for our families. Keep on believing that he is doing things. This next generation, uh, Ramesh and I were astounded because the, um, there were kids there from the, um, the, the guys that he did uh, these, these OM trips with. And now their kids are, are going around the world sharing the gospel. So come on. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Amen. I don't need that. All right. I'm going to try to move this over here. Can't go that far, can it? Hey, everybody. Wow, wow, wow. You guys are awesome. I'm just loving the fact that we can just go away and the church is still here and you guys are making it happen. It's wonderful. Bless you guys. That's uh, part of our vision, part of our dream is to raise up leaders who can take on various roles within the church and beyond the church. And by the way, so much of what you learn as you become a leader in this context, so much of it is transferable to other parts of your life, right? I remember we had a guy, they're, they're, they've moved away now, they live somewhere else, but they uh, came to our church way back when, and um, as a result of, you know, being cajoled and encouraged and directed and pushed to, into leadership roles, uh, this one guy who never had any expectation of being a public speaker went off to do, to do a Toastmasters so that he can become more effective. And he's, uh, it's just, the point I'm making there is that people just need to be encouraged, don't they? We, are, we have, uh, it's very easy to find the, the gunk in people's lives. You know, I can show you mine, right? Um, we have lots, but it's uh, so much better to look for the gold, for the treasure in people and just try to bring that out even when they don't see it themselves. So, Yes, we had a fantastic week. Friday to Friday, we were down in Jamaica. We actually weren't really on Jamaica as much as we were on a ship that was docked at the port in Jamaica. We actually went off the ship, I think, twice in the whole week. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a ship that I used to work with, and I, I, I left them 25 years ago. They wanted me to, to, to keep going, but I felt I was called to something else. Um, so it was a bit of a, a bittersweet time to go back and to see the effect that these guys are still making around the globe. They're really, you know, these young kids, primarily late teens, you have to be at least 18, but late teens, 20s, and a few old, older people. But from 65 different nations, living on this little ship, 400 people, and they're just doing it, man. And they're praying so much. Uh, if, you guys are, if you guys are on my Facebook thing, uh, after the, Sunday, the normal Sunday service on board the ship, um, once the thing was finished, 
you would think that people would just, you know, get up and go about their business. But a whole bunch, obviously maybe, I don't know, one-third of them stayed behind to keep on worshiping. And they were singing like songs that we would sing. You know, God is my healer and this and that and the other. It's just the wild stuff that they're going after. Because back then, you know, 25 years ago, they were much more... Um, uh, conservative, traditional, evangelical, and they still are, but, but with a lot more openness to the movement and to the presence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, some of the guys are actually doing um, uh, courses uh, run by Bill Johnson. Ooh, look at that. Come on. The charismatic Pope is having influence even on OM. Unbelievable. Love it. Anyway, so, so, uh, yeah. Well, enough of that. Okay, here's, a, here's my message for this morning, everybody. I want to take a few minutes to remind us that this is the year that we believe, we're, we're believing for a harvest of goodness, a harvest of righteousness, right? Uh, and the verse we're basing it on is uh, this verse from, from James 3.18. The context of it is that John, uh, James says there's two kinds of wisdom. There's an earthly wisdom, which doesn't avail much, but there's a, a heavenly wisdom which is peaceful and it's, uh, it sows seeds of goodness. Um, it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere. And, it, and if we sow these kinds of seeds, James says, if we sow these kinds of seeds, seeds of purity, seeds of, of peace-lovingness, seeds of uh, being considerate, being submissive, being full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere. If we, if we sow these kinds of seeds, we will bear a harvest of souls, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of goodness. And so when we talk about the harvest, you know, uh, in the context of the harvest of goodness, we do expect a harvest of souls as well. We expect people through in our ministry, in our lives, through our lives, to become aware of the goodness of God and they want to embrace what he's done. In Jesus. Amen? I should have brought my laptop. I forgot that this does us all the time. Anyway, so in January, we, li we laid out the vision for this year. We talked about uh, connection, equipping, and outreach, gathering, equipping, and sending. And we did that in January. We talked about the need to uh, uh, be more intentional about outreach, to tell the good news of Jesus to a world that is dying for good news. In the, even the coronavirus thing affected us, even though the ship has been in, in, um, in a, a Latin American Caribbean for three years with no contact, at least up to this point, no contact with anything, except that there's a bunch of people, leaders, they have a global international leaders meeting that was held in Thailand. At, uh, Thailand. And... Um, and the, the, the family who were going to host us, who were actually on the ship, they were going to host us, uh, they couldn't come back to the ship because of self-imposed quarantine because they were in Southeast Asia, they were in Thailand. And so even, even that, I mean, it was a good and meaningful thing to do, but I'm just trying to suggest that there's an impact uh, of, of, of fearfulness and uncertainty around so much that's happening on the planet right now. And I believe that people really, really need good news. People really, really need 
the message that God is good and that Psalm 91 applies to everyone who believes. You can live under the protection of God. You can live on he who dwells in a secret place of the Most High. Right? If, if that's your relationship with God, you have access to his protection. You have access to his care. So we talked about in January the thing, and then February, whether you, you realize it or not, we're actually focusing on uh, communion with God or prayer. So Elsie talked about the fire prayer circles. I talked, uh, she talked about the prayer circles. I talked about uh, praying for loved ones. Um, Elsie talked about overcoming obstacles for hearing God's voice. And then uh, Amanda last week talked about uh, the Lord's Prayer. So in March, starting now, this Sunday, we're going to be talking about, ready for it? A dangerous three-letter word. We're going to be talking about God. Imagine that, talking about God in church, everybody. We're talking about God in church. We're talking about God the Father today, this morning, and ensuing Sundays we'll unfold different aspects of the nature and the character of God. I want to focus on God the Father this morning. God the Father who also happens to be our creator. And there's this famous, oh, oh yeah, so I've been reading a, a, a bit uh, recently uh, the book of Genesis, the first three chapters of Genesis, the first three chapters of Genesis. And I can't take the time to read the whole thing to you, but I want to give you an outline of the first three chapters of Genesis. The first, uh, Genesis 1 to, uh, so most of all of chapter 1 and then the first couple of verses of chapter 2 speaks about the, the creation story. I want you guys to track with me. I know this is going to be a little bit of Bible teaching. You guys up for Bible teaching? Right? Father, we just really uh, uh, invite your spirit to lead us, to direct us, to guide us, uh, Father, I ask that as we do this, Lord, would you, would you be so present? Would you let your word come alive? Would you let your truth of who you are come alive in our hearts? Take it deeper into our spirits. Take it deeper into our very being that we get to live from that place of knowing you as a wonderful Father who's also our creator, who has great plans for us. So help us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Yeah, so Genesis, the first thing is the first story. And um, I'm not reading Genesis as a science book. Right? I'm a theologian, a small t theologian. And so I'm reading the, 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 the book of Genesis or any part of the Bible to understand more about who God is and less about how God created the world because we can spend a whole month of Sundays just talking about how God, the, the various views of how God created the world. But the point is that there was a rhythm to what God did, right? If you read it, if you, in most translations, uh, current translations, they try to, to create the impression that this whole thing is actually a, 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 it's like a poem. And it, in Hebrew, it is a poem. It's a Hebraic poem that speaks about the, the rhythm of God creating the world. Uh, on, on, on day one, he did this. On day two, he did that. And he looked back on a day, and it was good, right? Uh, the, the creation story. And the interesting thing about this one is that the name for God in the first creation story is Elohim. So God, the general name of God, like the, the general name, God, Elohim. 
the generic name for God. God did this, God did that, and so on. The second, oh yeah, so, so he creates the, it's the story of the creation of the whole universe. Um, and every time he creates, uh, takes one day to create something, he looks back on it and says, it is good. So six times he refers to his creation as good. And then on the, on the final thing, when he's done the whole shebang, he looks back and says, whoa, that's very good. That's very good. I've just done a really cool thing. I've made these human beings, and I've planted them there, and they're pretty cool people. I've done good. And it even applies to, to Ian. Ian is good. <laughs> the second part, the second piece is Genesis chapter 2, the second creation story. Big difference, big difference is that the name for God now is Yahweh, the covenant-keeping name for God. This is the name that God gave to Moses and the burning bush. This is the name, I am who I am. This is a covenant name that God gave to the people of Israel. And so it's a slightly different story. And the emphasis of this story is the creation of Adam and Eve and the garden and the choices. You, say, you, got, you guys got everything. I'm going to give you everything in this garden. You can have any fruit you want in this garden, um, but don't touch this one. You have everything except for this. And he laid out the choices. If you eat from that tree, you will surely die. So, and then, of course, Genesis chapter 3 is the fall. The introduction of the serpent, our sin, our, our sin, not Adam and Eve's sin only, our sin and its consequences. And the reason why I say our sin is because even today, every single human person is faced with this, with these choices every single day. We, get, we, get, we have a chance to live according to God's uh, plan for us, or we get to choose our own way. And every single day, every single human being on this planet gets to choose that. Especially if you're a Christian, you get to really choose whether you want to follow God's way or you want to follow your own way. At the end of Deuteronomy, after Moses had given the, the, uh, the law to the people of Israel, he says this amazing thing to the people. This day, Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 to 20, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses is basically saying, hey guys, I've spent a lot of breath, a lot of time telling you what God's rules are, God's rules of engagement are. Here's what they are. Now you get to choose. Do you want to follow God's ways? Or do you want to follow your own way? If you choose God's way, you get life. You get abundant life now. You get eternal life. I'm reading into it from the New Testament. You get eternal life now or you get death. You get blessings on the one hand or you get curses on the other hand. And I want to suggest to you that still applies today, everybody. That still applies today. If we live by God's ways, 
we will inherit the blessings of God. We will have access to the blessings of God. If we don't, if we, if we want to follow our own way, then we end up uh, with curses. We end up with stress. We end up with physical problems. We have, uh, um, we have relational difficulties. And I'll unfold some of this in the next little bit. The Great Apostles' Creed, this is a, a statement that was put together in the second century. At least it was found in the second century. But it's a, state, a series of statements about God, about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And the first thing it says is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven. And how, how many people know, can recite the whole thing or know some of it? Most people, if you've been around church for a while, because even if it's, uh, you know, Many Protestant, many Protestant churches still talk about this. And I love this because it really gives a wonderful summary of what the Christian faith is. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. It's important that we talk about God, people, because even, even because of the, in this culture that we live in, where we celebrate diversity, uh, we have to define the terms we use. And we still have to define the term God because I can say God to one person and it may mean something totally different when I say God to another person. Does that make sense? And so I want to talk to us about God who is revealed in the Bible, not God of my own connotation, my own uh, uh, making, making up my own understanding of God. I want, to, I want to speak to you about God as he has revealed himself, God's self-revelation in the Bible. All right? And so, it's important to talk about God. And so, here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you five things from Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 about God. I've been meditating on these chapters for the last number of weeks and months, probably. And so, the first thing I want to say about God is He created the world out of nothing, everybody. God created the world out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing that existed. I know our, our minds cannot really comprehend what that is because we don't know what nothing is. Because everything around us, even if, even if it's invisible to our eyes, it's there, right? But God created out of nothing. What does that make God? Amazingly powerful. It makes him, it makes him incredibly powerful, Right? Number two, he is creator. Everything else is the created or the creature. So there's a distinction between God, the creator, and everything else that's been created. All right? There's a big difference between God, the creator, and God, uh, and what he has created. God, the creator, and what he has created. And you and I, we happen to be the created ones. All right? So let God be God, and I'm not. God is God, and I am not. God is outside of his creation. He's not limited by what he has, been, by what he has created. He's not limited by what he has created. He is God, or we are not. Number three, he created the universe and everything in it with precise, fine tuning. That's what, that's what for me, the, whole, the first chapter of Genesis is, the rhythm of, of God creating 
on the first day he did this, on the second day he did that, and there's a beautiful rhythm to everything he did, and it speaks about the way that God wonderfully put everything together. There's divine purpose in everything that he has created. The six goods I already mentioned, the six goods, it is good, it is good, and it's very good, speaks about the divine purpose and order to everything he has made, which means, therefore, that God is absolutely faithful. He's reliable, right? He's absolutely faithful because he's able to create a world that has wonderful order, which makes him reliable, which, which makes him trustworthy. Nothing happens, everybody. Nothing happens uh, in this world, in history, that catches God off guard. The coronavirus? Oh, my God. Coronavirus. Do you think God's shaking in his boots about coronavirus? He's not, just in case you're wondering. He's not bothered or troubled by the fact that the coronavirus, even though the media-driven hype is creating that kind of fearfulness in, in, in human beings. God is not at all phased by the crisis in your life. Right? Because he already has a solution for it. He has the power to deal with whatever crisis you may have, whether it's a big one or a small one. He is able to deal with your crisis. Can he not? Does he not? Yes, he does. Number four, he's personal, everybody. This is a big one. He is personal, all right? We believe in God, the Father Almighty. He's not just a creator who is some kind of machine, some motor that created this world and, uh, and, and there's no re relational aspect to his nature. He is absolutely relational. This is very important. He's very, very relational. He's the creator. Yes, he's the king, but he's also a father. He's also a father. This is his self-revelation. This is how God has revealed himself. He didn't say, I am God the, uh, I am God the machine or I'm God the, the robot. I am God your father. He's a God who wants relationship with his creation. He's a God who wants relationship. Right? Even, even the phrase where it says, let us make man in our image. This is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Let us make man in our image. That speaks about the, the, the Trinity. Let us, the Trinity. Uh, it hints at the harmony that the three of them had in the creation of the world, right? There's nobody saying, there's no committee meeting saying, oh my gosh, I don't really like that part of creation or this part, or you know, those human beings should have four legs, not two, or you know, there's, there was no disharmony in the, the creation of the world, right? So, so this hints at the, the, the harmony that exists in the Godhead. And we are meant to think of our relationship with God in that sense. Everybody good with where I'm going with all this? Is it making sense? Number five, God is a righteous judge, everybody. He laid out the rules. Here's how good he is. He laid out the rules. Adam and Eve, you can have all, all of this. In fact, it was just Adam. It wasn't Eve. Eve wasn't given the name Eve until after the fall. You, man, Adam, man and woman, you, you can have all of this, but don't touch this. If you have this, You'll be happy, you'll be peaceful, we'll have a fantastic relationship, you'll know me intimately. If you touch this, you will surely die. 
right? So he laid out the choices, he laid out the consequences, and being the good father that he is, he followed through on his, on, on, on his, um, on his uh, he followed through on the consequences that he said would happen if they didn't uh, obey his one rule. See, they were given a whole bunch of rules, right? They were given the rule to increase and multiply. They were, they were given the rule to uh, uh, subdue the earth, right? Rule over the earth the way I would do it, right? In harmony with, with, with the environment. Do it well the way I would do it. And this one rule they, they, they didn't, they couldn't uh, keep. And so he is a righteous God. The reason why I'm laying all of that out is because this is in contradistinction to what the culture believes about who God is. That's why I'm bringing all these things up. Because the world around us today has a very different view of what God is like. Uh, if you can understand my sketchy diagram, I wish I was more graphically creative, but anyway, here's what we have. Oops. So we have that circle that represents the universe, both the invisible and the visible world. And in our culture, in our world today, we think that God is part of that. It's what is classically referred to as pantheism, where God is in everything. Okay? Is that good so far? So there's a, it's, it's also referred to as dualism, where both uh, good and evil have the same weight, same strength. I'll give you an illustration of this. When I was much younger, much, much younger, I was about eight or nine years old, still living in Guyana. Uh, we just moved into a new place, a new ho uh, house, and we were working on the garden. And I remember quite clearly that we were, you know, doing things in the garden, my mother and I. And I turned to her. There was something that happened on the news that was bad. Something bad happened. And I said to my mother, why do so many bad things happen in the world? Eight-year-old, why do so many bad things happen in the world? And my mother said a few things. And one of the things that, that stood out to me was, she says, well, good and evil come from the same place. It's like two, side, two sides of the same coin. That's my mother, that was my mother's uh, worldview, that she understood based on her upbringing that this is what uh, the world is like. God is on one hand, uh, evil is on the other hand, and they are equal, have equal strength. Two sides of the same coin. And I still remember her saying that to me to this day. Because what it, what it did was, it actually, for a moment, it said, it, it made me think, oh, okay, so that's why good things happen and bad things happen. But I can tell you, it never left me with any sense of hope. Because if good and evil have the same strength, who's going to win and who's going to, how, how do we manage this world? I've since read the New Testament, everybody. I've since read the Bible. And the Bible says that, that, that God is light. In Him there is no darkness. Amen? Come on. So, but this is, this, is the worldview that, this is the worldview that exists right now. And by the way, let, let me just throw this in. I've spoken to some Christians, a couple. And if you listen to them, 
you may get the impression that the devil is as strong as Jesus is based on how much, they, how much weight they put on what the devil can do. The devil can do this, he can make me get sick, he can do that. All these things about the devil. I want to recommend, if, you, if, if that's your mentality, let me recommend thinking a little bit differently about it. Think about the fact that God created the world out of nothing. And included in his creation was a, 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 an angel called Lucifer who had an exalted place, but who chose to rebel against God and who fell. That Lucifer has become the accuser of the brethren, Satan. And he is a created, finite being. God is infinite. God is massive. God is beyond our, con our, our comprehension. The devil is Shmoy. Shmoy. Big God, everybody. One of the songs that we used to sing back in the day was Great Big God. Itty bitty devil, great big God, itty bitty devil, and that is that is that is the perspective we need to have if we're going to be biblically sound. Okay, not just in our, in our mentality or our thinking, but in our heart of hearts, the, the place in which we live our lives from day to day. God is big; He's my good Father. The enemy is bad, and He's small. So that's the idea. Dualism, two sides of the same coin. Uh, and related to that is this idea of the good force and the bad force. Again, you know, the, the forces, right? And so if you're Star Wars fans, all right, may the force be with you. And the force is strong. And all those cool phrases that we, we get to use in, in culture on May 4th, we say, may the 4th be with you and all, whatever. I'm not saying, I'm not, let me clarify, I'm not at all saying that we shouldn't embrace, you know, the coolness of Star Wars and everything else, because it's, it's pretty cool. But here's the point, here's the point. Understand the underlying philosophy behind that. It's, 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 it's about a force, an, an, an impersonal force that represents dualism, good and evil. It is not a biblical worldview. It's actually based in Eastern mysticism, Eastern religions. Okay? So enjoy, you know, Luke, 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 I am your father. Enjoy all those things, but remember and understand where it's coming from and try to figure out ways of applying biblical truth to, con to, to contradict or to, or to bring balance and correction to that. Good? Here's the third thing about this. Spirit good, material bad. Spirit good. Whatever is of the spirit is good. Whatever is material or natural or, or touchable or material is bad. I grew up with this and it was so deeply ingrained in me that it took me a while to realize that this is how I was living my life. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be you know, uh, a Christian and a missionary, and so I wanted to give up everything because I thought that being poor, being a poor missionary with OM was actually a better thing because I was denying material things and den den denying uh, the benefits or the goodness of material things. Do you know that phrase? Some of you have probably used it. I am spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. How many people have heard that statement? Many people have. 
and I totally understand what they're trying to get at in that statement. But I want to suggest to you, it's a very dangerous statement, everybody. It's a dangerous statement because what, what they're really trying to say is that somehow the, this, this physical body is, is lesser. Right? I'm a spirit. That's eternal. That's going to live forever with Jesus. And I have a soul because it's being redeemed and my body and my thoughts and my, sorry, my, my thoughts and my emotions are being redeemed so I become more like Jesus. But my body is going to go into the dirt. Well, here's the deal. When God made the world good, he made the material world good as well, including our physical body. Here's how crazy this is. When Jesus came into this world, he came and took on human flesh, human body. God, the eternal God, came into this world and took on human flesh, a human body. Furthermore, when he rose again from the dead and he ascended, when he rose again from the dead and people touched him, he still had, yes, granted, a glorified, but still a human body, a glorified human body. Are you with me, everybody? You understand what I'm saying here? There is great value in in this material world that God has created. So don't, don't undervalue what God has called good. Amen. Thank you. I have my, at least I have my wife with me. That's why I take her everywhere I go. Okay, last thing I want to mention about this is that in this worldview, there is no accountability, everybody. There's no accountability. All right? If you watch uh, TV shows and you listen to people talk, the universe is saying this to me. Maybe, maybe the universe is telling me this. The universe is aligning situations in my life, so therefore, here's how I must make, make my life. You, you, you all know what I'm talking about. You watch it on TV, in movies. It's in a culture everywhere we go. Uh, this, this, this aspect of the universe. Lord, just talk about the universe. Well, the problem with that is that, is that the Bible... The God of the Bible is not an impersonal force. He's a person. He's a father. And because he's a person, because he's a father, because he's given us rules to live by, we get to be accountable to him. Because that's the issue with the universe, right? I'm not accountable, really. I may get direction, you know, in a super fake, sort of pseudo-spiritual way. I sort of get direction. But I have no real accountability to anybody, right? You see, here's what we've done. God has created us in his image, and we have been trying for eons to return the favor. We're trying really hard to create God in our image. And so we come up with this God who can help us out and do some good things for us, but we don't really need to be accountable to him. That is not the God of the Bible, everybody. We are accountable to him. There's one, every single person will one day stand before this God and give account for our lives. Here's the amazing thing about this. When I say that, people get scared. Oh my gosh, I'm afraid of the fact that I'm going to be standing before God one day. But here's the fantastic and glorious good news. Keep your eyes on me, everybody. Here's a gracious and wonderful good news is that God is a good father. He is not a, a horrible policeman in the sky or a mean judge that is, is waiting to whack us and beat us up and throw us into a Christless eternity. All right? 
He is a God who is full of grace and compassion, and He has made the way for every single human person to come into right relationship with Him, to be on the right side of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing, man. I'm just going to go through it super fast. Okay? I, I mean, I have to go through it because I spent some time creating this little <laughs> semi-good thing. Come back in Jesus' name. <laughs> See? The universe. Okay, that ball, that circle represents the universe. God created this both the invisible and the visible universe that, that's all around us, okay? But God is outside of it. He's not in it. He's outside of it. He's separate from. He's not limited by his creation. And he influences creation. He influences, he exerts influence on it and moving it towards a, hist a, a, a direction, a future uh, direction, right? He's in charge of history is what I'm trying to get at. And first of all, there's many ways that he does that, but two key ways that he does this, but in terms of influencing the universe, and especially this world, is through the Bible. He's given us his rules, his, his rules for living, his rules of engagement, right? We've talked about it already, the Bible. And then, of course, the second way is the cross, when Jesus came to this world and laid down his life. And the glorious thing about this is that, well, a couple of things about Jesus coming and dying on the cross. First, it shows us the ugliness of this thing that we call sin. When Adam and Eve decided to, be, to walk independently of God, it wasn't just a simple breach of, you know, um, rules, on a, on a, rules on a parchment or a stone. It wasn't just a breach of, it was actually an affront to the very nature of God. Because those, those Ten Commandments that God wrote by His own finger represents the fact that He was, he was re revealing to, to humanity, here's, here's what my heart is like. Here's what I am like. And so when we break those laws, we're actually, it's actually an affront to God Himself. Are you okay with that? And so sin is actually quite an ugly thing. And of course, we all, as believers, we all know that the only redemption for this horrible thing of, of, of sinfulness, the sin nature that's in us is the fact that God himself came and he laid down his life and he, through his son Jesus, gave this incredible, made this incredible way for us to be reconnected with God. We get to see the love of God in the death of Jesus. We get to see the power of God in the resurrection of Jesus. And we get to receive, in such a gorgeous way, we get to receive. When we were in the prayer room earlier, uh, you know, we were all being, you know, prayerful. And, and it was wonderful to walk in there and see everybody, you know, uh, being very uh, reverent and prayerful, heads bowed, praying. Some people praying in town, some people, you know, praying in different ways. But then... All of a sudden, the door swings open, boom, and Elijah comes running in. 
And right after Elijah was uh, Shekinah coming. And I thought, what a fantastic picture this is of what it means for us to come boldly before the throne of mercy and grace. Because that's what Jesus has made available to us. We can come as little kids running in to God's presence. We really don't have to be super reverent, everybody. Let me clarify that. Yes, reverence, yes. But, 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 but it's a freedom to come as little kids into God's presence. And I don't know what to say, but there's a world out there that is dying to know what God really is like. And you and I, as we discover more and more and become more fascinated by how amazing this God is, that we don't have to be ticking off all the religious boxes. Oh my gosh, isn't that sickening? Aren't you tired of that? We don't have to tick off the religious boxes. We come freely into His presence in faith because of what Jesus has done, embracing what Jesus has done for us. I love uh, Love Moore's illustration of ownership. God owns us and He gets to pay, He gets to work with us to, to fix what needs to be fixed. But the onus, the heavy lifting is done by Him already. We just, come to, we, just, we just get to say yes and embrace what He's done for us and live it out. Amen? Amen. Okay, so to wrap this up, and well, I, I'll take different aspects of this and, ex, and expand on it in the following Sundays. So how do we apply this? Well, we become like the thing that we worship. We, we become like the thing that we worship. So I would suggest that we become more God-conscious than sin-conscious. Is that okay to say? We become more God-conscious. If our eyes are fixed on who God is, if we become infatuated by who God is, if our hearts, our minds, everything within us is overwhelmed by His majesty, by His awesomeness, by His loving nature, by His goodness, by His graciousness, by His purity, by His holiness, if we, if we gaze on that, we become more like that. If our attention is on our, our sinful nature. Here's how sinful I am, and I got to be so careful I can't do this. And I go around the circle of my, of my sin, and I end up worshiping inadvertently and worshiping my sinfulness. I'm not focused on the majesty of who God is. Was that well put? My wife again. I need this so much, man. I need this so much. You guys are horrible over there. Okay, the price has been paid, everybody. Choose to live in the revelation, God is on a mission to restore your original goodness. You might be talked a while ago about original goodness. We talked about original sin, and yes, that's true, but it's also a greater truth, which is the original goodness. When God made everything, including us, He made it good. In fact, He made you and me very good. He made me very good. That's, that's pretty clear. Um, God is on a mission to restore us to original goodness. Another way of saying that he's conforming us into the image of his beloved son, Jesus. And we get to co-labor with him and, and um, agree with him as he works Jesus into us more and more. And then finally, take this good news, everybody, of a good father to a world that is dying for good news. Amen? You guys good?
Should we all stand? It feels like I'm harping on stuff, but we really need to uh, continually devote ourselves to a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus. Invite him to, into every part of our lives, even the parts we rather not have God in. Let's invite him in, and he's going to bring healing and restoration to broken parts. Thank you that you are our Father and that you're tender-hearted, that you're full of compassion, you're slow to anger, and all you ever require is that we come when you invite us. You're even the one that brings us to a place of wholeheartedness. We can't even choose our way there, but you nudge us and you shape us and you, and you bring us to that place of surrender. What you do in us is marvelous. Mm. We humble our hearts today as a church family and we thank you for all the details, all the things that, that you hover over in our lives. Thank you for all the reminders and you keep bringing us back to those same things that, that you, you want to put your light on. Not because you want to reveal evil, but you want to reveal those things that separate us from you because you desire to be so close to us. You desire that we live between your shoulders. That's what Deuteronomy 33, 12 says. That you want us right there to live right at your heart. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are and for revealing just how great you are and how faithful you are. And you're faithful to us. For those of you who have children, you know that you never forget them. You can't forget them. And you have deep compassion for them. And you don't forget us for a second. Lord, we just give you our lives this morning afresh. It's a privilege that you invite us into relationship. And we just, we give you that place of surrender this morning. And we say, please come, pour your light all over us. Draw us close to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you made a way for us to get close. We say that, and we agree 
that you are our righteousness. We can never choose our way. We have to rely on you, Lord, your righteousness. We put you on today. Thank you that, Lord, you wrap us in your arms. You wrap us in light. And there's no darkness in us when we are in Christ and you are in us and you are around us and over us. So we welcome you. You are the Father of lights. We worship you this morning. We go into this next week. We ask, Lord, that you continue to reveal who you are to us and that our lives will be different that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in and through us in all the different spheres where we walk and have been invited to carry you. Thank you that we rule and reign with you when we live between your shoulders. Come Holy Spirit, breathe your life breath on us this morning. Help us to take a big, long, draw from the well of salvation this morning that our even our DNA will be changed and transformed because we're drinking you in we're drinking in your thoughts towards us and Lord where we've been impoverished because we've been thinking about those things that deplete and bring darkness Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us with your words of life. That would go right into our very cells in our body. That we'll be strengthened. Whoa. Thank you, Father, that you are joyful. That that's your nature. And that you invite us into that place of joy. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Lord, as we drink you in, Lord, we ask that you would pour your life in us, that we would be filled with joy, and that our bodies will be able to even respond to your beautiful presence in us. We drink you in right now, so that when we speak or when we pray with you, we'll know that that things are shifted and changed because you are in us and with us and you pour through us. Make us vessels of light in this coming, in these coming days. And when we gather together again, we'll have testimonies of your goodness because we've shared you out there. Father, let your, your peace and your joy and your love radiate through us. For anyone who's grieving or has um, experienced loss in any capacity, Lord, we ask that you'll come and fill that void, that you'll come. Every place of surrender, Father, we expect you to come and fill it and, and multiply yourself in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, 
majesty, power, and authority through Christ Jesus, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. See some of you on Wednesday night.